Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and in front of me for, it's been a little while, it's been a little while, absolutely, is Roy. It's been quite a while. Dude, it is, uh, it has been two months. I had to look, before I wrote the agenda, I had to look to see when the, what, A, what number we were on, and I looked back and it was, we had Kyle Glazer on in September. You've aged an entire year. Oh, right. Happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> yesterday. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about what Roy did uh, in a minute. Uh, what he did on um, on my birthday, which is really cool. But first, uh, later on, we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the PBA, some of the news that's coming out with um, Baseball America, and JJ Cooper has just been on it. We're hoping to get him on the podcast to kind of go a little bit deeper. It's uh, mind boggling, confusing, tons of stuff. But I think it's going to ultimately benefit the players. As unfortunately, it won't benefit some communities. But uh, we're also going to talk about the. I want to talk about the contributions that. Some of the minor league players that came up and, and really, uh, you know, contributed to the team this year. It's been a really fun year as far as that it, stuff's concerned. It's been a podcast goldmine, really. <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to talk a little bit of the instruction and, and uh, kind of maybe with the alternate site stuff. There's not a lot of information coming out. I have I have people that they don't answer my tweets, texts, DMs. I don't think it's not because they don't like me. I just simply don't think there's much not much to talk about there's not a lot of information out there and we can also touch on winter ball since we're starting to learn who's playing where yes that's right we have a little bit of update on that and that's kind of cool yeah Uh, but first it was my birthday yesterday i couldn't go because i had to work and you went for the strikeout for a cause celebrity golf tournament that's right yeah they called it uh tee off for the troops um, so Strikeout for a Cause is a foundation that was founded by Terrence Tucker, who is the clubhouse assistant at Lake Elsinore yeah. and a world-class human being. He is just an awesome yeah. individual. So anybody that meets him immediately has that impression, like, I want this guy to be successful. Yeah. So when he told us on our podcast that he was going to be hosting this golf tournament, it's, absolutely, I'm in whatever. I don't care where or when or how much I want to be a part of this. So it was super cool. So they, uh, this is a foundation that benefits veterans, active and veteran militaries and their families. So they had a whole lot of veterans there. Um, they were given a little bit of a VIP treatment. Uh, they, they played golf and there nice. was a dinner afterwards. And then also, of course, so um, Drake and Dylan Hoffman are also involved in the foundation with Terrence. And so they were able to pool their resources and pull in a whole bunch of VIPs from the baseball yeah. world. Well, speaking of the Hoffman, and I'm going to just throw a big monkey wrench into this. Before I got over here, Glenn Hoffman's retiring. Right. Going to the front of the house. Yeah, he's going into some kind of an advisory role. Um, it sounds like he's going to be like a roving instructor, something yeah. like that, much more hands-off. He's out of the uniform. He's probably not going to be around every day, which is I – mean, he's he's been the third base coach for, yeah. what, 20-something years? Yeah. He's been in baseball for yeah. over 40 years, and it's it's an amazing career. And so he's t- taking a step back, not a full step away. Good for him. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and, and so tell us about the tournament. Who did you talk okay. to? Who did you play? How, hey, so, how did you play? And did you play any better than anybody that, you know, I don't know, a professional athlete? Did you? Well, I so I wound up putting together a group uh, with some people that I've met through Twitter. So um, Nick Barode and Trandon Cole, and then we were going to have Blake Hunt come and play with us, but he's still at Fall Instruct, yeah, so he couldn't join us. So Nick got his friend Nate to join, um, and so we had we had a good group. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we had some good holes. You know, everybody kind of pieced it together. I didn't play nearly as well as I would like. Uh, but I had fun, and that's what matters. Yeah. We shot a score that we that was respectable. 
we were nowhere near the lead. Um, I don't remember what the winning number was, but it, that it doesn't matter. We had right. we had a good time. Everybody hit some good shots. Um, yeah, and, and we supported a really good organization. So the people that were there, um, obviously you have Glenn and Trevor Hoffman, um, and so the the Drake and and Dylan Hoffman were there. Uh, there were a bunch of minor leaguers, a bunch of there's some current major leaguers and a whole bunch of former major leaguers. Um, so I noticed that Tim Wallach and Charlie Huff were there. I figure Glenn pulled them in yeah. from his time with the Dodgers. Yeah. He was a Dodgers coach for many yeah. years. Uh, Cal Quantrill, Robbie Erlin, um, Travis Jankowski was on the list, but I didn't see him there. Uh, Gary Templeton was two groups behind us. Um, gosh, who else? Xavier Nady, uh, Andy Ashby. He was one of the first guys to show up. Ash. Yeah. And he was, you can tell Andy likes to hold court. He kind of, he's tall, so he stands out, (laughs) but he's just kind of standing there. Like he's the the guy, the dude in the room and he likes kind of being the center of attention. That's kind of cool. That's that's funny because he doesn't come across, like you watch him do the, you know, the sideline broadcast of the Padre games. He doesn't come off like that. Well, he's knowledgeable. Obviously he knows the game, but he doesn't come off like. With that confidence. It's not a big timey thing at all. Is it? No, it's just a, you know, I've been here. I've been around. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. He's very approachable. And all of these guys, that was the cool thing was that they're in an environment where they can relax. They're not the, the veterans really were the star. That was who they were trying to frame everything around. And so they had a chance to just kind of let their hair down and be themselves. And people weren't all like fanboy around them. People weren't bugging them for autographs and everybody was, you know, it was, it was much more relaxed. So before the thing started, there was quite a while where everybody just kind of milling around. And so we were able to just shoot the breeze with these guys. What time did you guys start golfing? We started at noon. You guys didn't, were you guys drinking? We were. That's my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I probably had more than I, I I had enough that it affected my performance. I'll say that. Uh, And then afterwards there was a, there was a, a dinner. You know, they had a buffet and with prime rib and all this was really good food. Um, Sean McCall was the MC. He's nice. the play-by-play guy for Lake Elsinore Storm. Love Sean. Um, you know, we'll see where his next step in his career is. He's no longer with the Storm yeah. um, after the end of the 2019 season. Uh, but just fantastic personality. He brings energy and, and some charisma to whatever he does. Uh, so just from the top top to bottom, it was a fantastic event. And for the first time for these guys to do it, they did a great job. Yeah. What so? What does strike out for a cause do? What 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 function? What do they support for family? Is is it food pantry? Or is it is it just? You know, we should have Terrence on again and, and have him tell that whole story. Because uh, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly what functions they do to support the veterans. I know that they have you know they have special events where they'll bring the guys to ball games um, and their families. Uh, I know that they have like luncheons and dinners and stuff for them, but I don't know exactly what they yeah. do um i just know that they i i i just like terrence and i like supporting no, absolutely really. he's a great guy great yeah. cause um, they had a lot of companies that sponsored holes they had a lot of sponsors for the whole thing too and so that was something that struck me was their ability to pull all these resources together to put an event on it was pretty impressive See, and what i was going to do and, and we'll follow up uh, and we'll move on after this what i was going to do is go there because i don't play golf i i like i don't play golf but i was going to be like the like in-game Interview guy. Hey, and he asked me, so blah, 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 blah. You know, be the mic in the face of these guys. 
Um, and I, I don't know if that would have went over too well. <laughs> there was actually, there was a, you know, and I should have gotten their name. There was a, some people that were recording a podcast on site. Okay. They had a tent on one of the tees of a par three and yeah. they were, they, they were selling like you bet you, you, you put down money and if you get a shot on the green, you win a prize kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, but then they were kind of interviewing everybody as they were coming through. And so that struck me as what what you were talking about doing both before on the driving range. Right, and, right, right. Farting oh, around. Greg then... Garcia was there. Um, and I thought it was interesting that he swings a golf club right-handed because I know he bats left-handed. So I'm wondering if he does that so that one swing doesn't mess with the other. I think he learned how to bat left-handed just because that's the way he... That's the way he does it. Yeah, he's not a switch hitter. He, he's it's from the left side. You know, maybe at one point he was a switch hitter. I don't know his whole backstory because a lot of people do. They start out as a switch hitter, and then at some point, like Blake Hunt used to be a switch hitter in yeah. high school. And since being a pro, he only hits from the right side because that's his stronger side. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like switch hitting is a little bit discouraged. Well, that's that's It's, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's hard enough to be able to hit at that level from one side, and then it takes twice as much work to hone the tool from both sides. Yeah, well, let's move on. The Padres made the playoffs and fell a little short. You know, I don't even feel right saying they fell short. I, they exceeded my expectations. They really did. We, I always, I've been saying since then, we have exercised the St. Louis Cardinals ghost. One step at a time. Get rid of the Cardinals. Good, we can beat those guys. Mm-hmm. Good test. You lose two top starting pitchers, and you still made it through the first round of playoffs. And even though we got swept, we made a hard push. Uh, against the Dodgers. I really thought we did. Oh, yeah. And they, they, the team stands up. You see that the talent is there. Uh, the coaching staff did a fantastic job. Um, so the fact that they didn't win the whole thing, I'm not going to be salty about that. And it, this was the most exciting season of Padres baseball that I can remember. Yeah. And so that's I'm happy with that right now. And most of these guys are coming back next year. So there's a lot to be excited about. You know, and if you call a, if you call a short stint in the major leagues a, a cup of coffee, some of these uh, some of the guys that we've had on our podcast have got what I would call a sip of tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Weathers had the tiniest sip, <laughs> but is, in, in the playoffs, you know, to yeah. make your oh, gets, MLB debut in a playoff game against the Dodgers. Oh, my. I think his dad was more nervous than like, – I, I, we, I was like – Oh god, god, god! Oh god! I was like super nervous because you want the guy to do well, you know. And his dad must have been just a wreck. He was. <laughs> yeah, I saw an interview with him, and he absolutely was. He, that's always the case that the the dad is more nervous than because Ryan, he's got something to do. He's got right. something to think about. Right, like, right, what right. do I do next? Focused. Yeah, we're all all David can do is sit there and tap his knee and and worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so right now, moving on, the the, the news is coming out. Uh, on you know, there's no agreement now with Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball. Right, but there that, are the news starting to come out. Yeah, Yankees are starting to make some moves. Um, they they announced their lineup, which I thought was a little bit the Staten Island Yankees. That's their team. Kind of didn't find out until they released that to the media, and I don't understand how that happened. Where they set their lineup and said, you know, Staten Island's a great organization. We thank them very much, but we're doing this now with Pulaski. I think it, it was. Was it was it Pulaski or was it the Staten Island? Well, they they dropped one and added and promoted another. Yeah. So what you're talking about is is the the organization of their affiliates. Yeah. What yeah. What city is hosting what level of of play? Yeah, I think the Pulaski Yankees are going to be either their A ball club or it's going to the college into a college league, which some of the teams in the in the Appalachian League are already starting to show on their Twitter, like Elizabethton. Uh, the used to be the Elizabethton Twins. They are promoting, and they're a, a little collegiate bat league now. Um, the Twins actually, um, what do you say, break up with? 
um, their uh, partnership with the Rochester Red Wings mm-hmm. so they can pursue a contract with the St. Paul Saints from the Independent League. Right. So that's one of those things where the Independent League guys are coming into affiliation and, you know, Rochester's left in the wind. Right. So their AAA affiliate will remain Scranton Wilkes-Barre. Um, the AA affiliate will move from Trenton to Somerset, the Somerset Patriots. Uh, and Somerset used to be an was an indie ball team, I believe. Yeah, it, yeah. The, they're a founding member of the Independent Atlantic League. I'm taking this from an article that J.J. Yeah. Cooper published about a week ago. Uh, high Class A will be Hudson Valley, which was the Rays' short-season New York Penn League affiliate. Okay. Um, and then their Tampa affiliate will move to Low Class A. Okay, so the Staten Island Yankees, which used to be their advanced A, I believe, is out. Right, right. So I'm sure you can read a whole lot into that. I've I saw some things on Twitter about from an organization standpoint, people weren't happy with management yeah. with some of these teams that are being pushed aside, and that's, I mean, that, I think that's kind of what started all of this shakeup is that they're not happy with the facilities, they're not happy with ownership and how they're managing the team. Yeah, because it's it's so weird that you've got you've got the major league organization, and then you've got a minor league franchise, and they're separate business entities. But they have to align their their business practices together. Yeah, it. I think the long term goal here really is for MLB to take over all of, all of the ownership. I mean, it's kind of right now you've got all these teams that are struggling to make ends meet. Yeah, and they just lost a whole season. Next year we don't know what's going to happen. Even if it's fifty percent capacity, that's a big big hurt on these on these teams. Absolutely, and well, and you saw with the Toronto Blue Jays going to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo before, then Buffalo when Toronto came in. Fresh coat of paint, clubhouses look bitching. All this investment in making it major league, mm-hmm. um, you would want that for your AAA team anyway. But having a major league team go in there shows you what they can do and what they actually should do for every level of, of the minor leagues. Right, the, but that's because the major league baseball team paid for those upgrades. Right. Where... Typically, they just kind of expect the minor league team to pony up the bill and pay for those upgrades. And we've how often have we talked about that's really not sometimes feasible. Yeah, it's a it's a conflict of interest. Yeah, that you, do you want to invest in something for player development or something that's going to put fans in your seats? So this big shakeup move up is going to affect the Padres. Well, yeah, and we don't really know yet how. We do know that some of the leagues are going to change affiliations in general. It sounds like the California League is going to go from being advanced single-A to being a low single-A affiliate. They've talked about the Northwest League becoming advanced single-A. And then maybe the Midwest League becomes double-A. I I don't know. What J.J. Cooper put down was the Midwest League would turn into advanced A. Okay, right, right. And it would be two different leagues. So there's a Midwest League is huge it's got like eight teams in it mm-hmm. so i think they're gonna add a team to it and then they're gonna have like a midwest north and split midwest it. south and yeah split it um, i heard something about triple a becoming three leagues yeah bringing back yeah. that what is it the international league that used to be in the middle pacific coast and the international league i'm not sure what was in the middle before but yeah it, it's gonna help with it's gonna help with travel and the travel oh, the, the American Association. I think that's what it... Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the travel... Okay, so that's another thing that J.J. Cooper put out an article about travel... The, the travel restrictions. That they're now making 
stricter limitations, it's proposed that they restrict, um, you know, how far a bus ride can be, how far a team can travel and play that same day. If they travel, what time can the game start on the yeah. next day? Or, yeah. you know, can they, cause they'll play a night game and then hop on the bus and drive for hours. Right. 14 hours. Then you have maybe five hours sleep and you're getting right. ready your, your pregame. They're also demanding that there's a second bus. And one of those two buses be a sleeper bus. If it's going to be an overnight trip. And that's if everything is copacetic. We're, we haven't even breached what's going to happen with COVID because it's just COVID is just out of control. Who knows? But also, this is going to be another financial burden on the teams with, the, with the sleeper buses. Let's talk about, is it over 350 miles they have to fly? Right. Um, and that's, so the geographical juxtaposition of all these teams is going to have to be close because A-Ball Club isn't going to be able to fly like from Lodi to, um, from Stockton to, to to Lake Elsinore, mm-hmm. 700 miles. Right, and Corpus Christi is so far from anything. Yeah. <laughs> Texas so they're going to have to fly side. everywhere they go. Yeah. So it's, it is it is going to be interesting to see how the, it's all negotiation. Um, but since the, the PBA has ha, is null and void, and it kind of sounds like the minor league office is closed, Major League Baseball kind of gets to propose whatever they want, and then yeah. it's up to a consortium of owners to agree or disagree and MLB owns all the leverage. Yeah, and everyone from minor league baseball and I think St. Petersburg is going to have to move to uh, to New York. <laughs> well, they're looking for jobs. That's the thing. I saw a whole bunch of people that are you know, good long-term baseball people that they're suddenly looking for work. Yeah. And maybe they'll be able to get a job with the commissioner's office. you got to figure that they're going to have to expand. You know, there's a lot of new roles if they're going to be right, managing right. all of minor league baseball. But it's not a one-to-one thing. They can't hire everybody. Yeah. So there's a lot of people looking for a new line of work, which is rough. Well, and, and talking about a new line of work, just was again today that J.J. Cooper put out that the the clubhouse attendance, the baseball players, the minor league players pay clubhouse dues. Right. And that helps pay for the clubhouse guy. And someone like, say, Sam Lewis in, in Fort Wayne, he's not only the clubhouse guy, he's the chef. He's the cook. In, in Lake Elsinore, you have a separate... You have Terrence doing the laundry, the clubhouse stuff, and the chef that they have here for the restaurant does the food for the team and for the press box and, and who everyone else. Right. But with Sam, he's like everything in one. Yeah. But they also they have to they have to do the laundry, they have yeah. to get all the equipment ready, you know, so knowing who's who's got which bats, getting all the helmets ready. Um, it, for batting practice, for bullpens, all of that is one guy does all of that. So they're the first one at the park in the morning. They're the last one at the park. Is after the game's done, they stay and do laundry. Yeah. So they're working long hours. So they are. Um, they're going to be paid as exempt employees, which means they're exempt from overtime rules. And it's it's amazing the lengths that baseball seems to go to get around paying the minor league guys. Yeah. So there's a certain minimum salary that that exempt salaried employees have are to required have. to make, and it's pretty much they're going to make that, which stinks considering the amount of time that they wind up having to. But okay, so then the good thing for the players is they no longer have to pay dues, yeah. which is like eight to twelve bucks a day, and that winds up paying for their food. Now the major league organization is going to be responsible for chipping in for the food. 
that's good. That means yeah. that the players get to keep more of their money. The major league organization is responsible for making sure that their players have good food. We've heard horror stories about what some of these guys get. And you see the picture <laughs> of a of white bread sandwich with yeah. a slice of freaking bologna, and that's their lunch. And are you kidding me? Yeah, it's insane. Well, and also, Sam Lewis doesn't do that. He <clears throat> feeds his guys well. Coming from and, and coming from food service that, that I'm in. It, hopefully they're going to have chafing dishes. It's going to be heated. It's going to be kept at temp. It's not going to be just like kind of thrown there and like go nuts, kids, mm-hmm. and hope that their youth and vitality is going to stop them from getting food poisoning. One other thing I saw is that the clubhouse attendant is now going to travel with the team. Oh, where- right, and to do the and so that's additional duties, right? Um, which makes coming back. You better have that stuff ready before you leave on your road trip. And then you come back and then you have mm-hmm. all the laundry from the road and then you better have things set up. That's They better be making some money. I got to figure that they're going to have, a, a lot of these teams are going to have a second person in that role. So then you've got, you, you can double up a little right. bit. When you go on the road, then that's when they have a chance to, to tidy up the clubhouse and take care of a lot of odds and ends that they didn't have yeah. time for when games are happening every day. I mean, they only get a day off when the team has a day off. Right. It's it's a lot of work. It is. And it is dizzying the changes that's going to happen. When all that stuff gets done, hopefully we're going to get J.J. Cooper on and talk about it more in depth. But let's move on. But I, before we... I just... The Padres have a lot of really good relationships with these minor league teams from top to bottom. Yeah. And the, every single one of these organizations that the Padres are affiliated with, they've, they've had long-term relationships and they're really good quality relationships. Yeah. So as these leagues change levels and you've got all this shuffle, I really hope that the Padres get to continue to work with Amarillo, Fort Wayne, like Elsinore. El Paso. I mean, hopefully Tri City is still a part of it uh, because it's <clears throat> as we've gotten to know some of the people that that work these. Yeah, it, there's a lot of really good people out yeah. there, and I think it, it's helped make the Padres a strong organization that they are. And I'm hoping that's the case too. I think I, I said this on Twitter with someone about what was happening with the minor leagues. I hope they just move the high A players to Fort Wayne and then the low A players come over to us in Lake Elsinore mm-hmm. staff and everything. That would be the ultimate. Like, we shouldn't have to change anything because you're right. I mean, Fort Wayne is worthy of God, double A, if not triple A, the quality of the field, the quality of the, um, the, the fans and the city itself you got to go sometime. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Okay, so you you mentioned the staff, like the coaching staff and all that. Um, We didn't have this bullet note down, but the Padres did lay off about 25 baseball operations people. Yeah. Um, So these are coaches, trainers, uh, player development folks. Uh, I know a couple of the names I saw were Doug Bockler, um, bullpen coach. uh, um, uh, He was going to be Griffin Benedict. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Doug was going to be the pitching coach in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Um, So. Yes, it sucks that these guys are no longer working for the Padres. They're looking for work. And people were upset about that. I'm trying to find the bright side that some of these other teams, like the Cubs fired over 100 people. And a lot of these teams have done large-scale culls of their their staff. And I feel like the Padres have kept more than most. And some of these teams have gutted their whole scouting group. And we know that that as long as Preller is the GM, that's not going to be the case. He believes in scouting so strongly. Him and Logan White and and Mark Connor, they're they're so heavy on scouting, not so much on the analytics side. Yes, you need the numbers. You want to make sure that that all matches, but it has to match the scouting and the personality. So it stinks that these guys are losing their job, but the Padres seem to be 
retaining a lot more than some of these other organizations. It does. It does seem that way. And I think Ron, uh, Ron Fowler, Uncle Ron Fowler, <laughs> um, said something on Ben Woods as well. He said like, you know, we we're doing our best to try to keep as many people as possible. Um, because he knows, he knows it starts. If you, we can't, we can't have two hundred million dollar payroll. We need to scout. We need to develop, and we need to have the best at it. You know, in the organization and in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure when things kind of get back to normal, whenever that looks like, if it's 2022, if we go through 2021 with um, whatever shades of amount of people in the stands, spring training, how that's going to work out. We'll get to that later on in another episode, but I'd like to touch on that a little bit right now, since you brought it up, we we could, because one idea that I heard was that the major league team and then like the, the B squad, if you will, the alternate site guys that we had this year, they could do spring training at the normal spring training time. And then all the minor league guys stay at home. And then when they're done, the major league team breaks camp and then the minor league guys come in and it's like a second phase of spring training. So that way you're, you're isolating your major league players from any risk of infection from having another, what, 200 people, less people are more is better around. Um, And then it also staggers the, the time. So then the minor league seasons would all be starting later. And there's also the possibility that if there is no vaccine that is widely distributed by next spring, there, baseball wouldn't be happening in stadiums. And right. so then the player development program would be run out of the complexes. And it's it's kind of a Pandora's box that because there is a scenario where there is no minor league baseball. There Again. is no affiliates. Yeah. It's everything happens out of the complexes. And from if you're purely thinking about how to develop the athletes as best you can, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You have ultimate control over everything. It's all centralized. You've got all the food. You've got all the gyms. You've got everybody living right there, so you have control over people doing knucklehead stuff. Right, right, right. So it, it as makes close sense. to a bubble as possible. But yeah. from a from a business of baseball, from a, a, a for the good of the game, yeah. that just breaks my heart to think that that they would even consider doing something like that. I it's only it, I hope it's only a contingency plan if it's there's a, a public health issue. Right. Well, I had dinner with a with a fellow of a, of a large corporation that a large well a scientist basically, and uh, we talked about the we talked about the vaccine, and you know it's looking really good that by spring, late spring into summer, that a the vaccine should be out, and b hopefully we should be very deep into getting um, America vaccinated. Right, but it's going to be rolled out in stages. Absolutely. First, the first responders and the people that that need it most would get it. Yeah. And then it would be rolled out in phases to eventually get to, I mean, I, I'm able to work out of home. I can control, I can limit my exposure. So I'd be one of the last people to get, to get it. I, I don't have a particular health risk. Right. You know, so it, it would be months <laughs> until I, and then we don't know how effective it's going to be. You know, how long do people, they get a vaccine and how last long night, is it active? Talking to Dr. Stahl last night, it, it's, 99 the 90% effective rate is insane. Mm-hmm. It's insanely good. That's fantastic. So it, yeah. it's um and the way they're going about it and I know we've just devolved in this whole idea <laughs> of what's going on with covid but I had this gentleman is a very close friend of mine we had dinner last night. That's awesome. Um they're doing vaccines different. This vaccine is different. Now obviously there's more than one company doing it so there's going to be maybe multiple amounts or multiple vaccines available. Mm-hmm. Uh with similar if not uh not competing but similar Efficacy, okay, is the word. That's I learned that one last night. Um, that it, you know, what was I going with that? But it, that it's it's going to be okay if we get these vaccines out, we'll be fine. 
it's it's it should be okay. One, well, you know, for this one, it's what two two boosters, two weeks apart, and you'd be done. Okay. But we're really getting way off the reservation. Yeah, because we don't know what the timeline is and all of that stuff. <laughs> well, I want to talk about baseball. I'm yeah. Not, I, I, you know, it, just, it was interesting that I had that uh, dinner with, with Alan and Eve last night. So let's talk about the minor league players that contributed this yes. year. Um, I, I, first, I have up here at first was Adrian Morahone. I was surprised to not see um, Baez come up and, and, and contribute really anything at all. But Adrian Morahone looked a world different from this year, from last year to this year. The results, the numbers are there, and he showed flashes of absolute. Oh my God, that guy's going to be a beast. There were a beast. He would go out and have like two really good innings, right. and then an inning that wasn't so good. Maybe he'd start the first inning wasn't great, and then he would lock it down. Yeah, and that comes with time, the consistency. But you see ace potential. You see why he was. Why John Conniff would say that he's the one A to Mackenzie Gore's one. Absolutely. So 2019, he had five games, two starts, eight in eight innings pitched. He had a 10.13 ERA. Just he just didn't look comfortable. Um, 2020, you know, he's walking a lot of guys. I don't have the walks down there. Uh, in 2020, nine games, four starts, 19.1 innings pitched, 25 strikeouts. He walked four guys in those 19 and a third innings. Yeah. That's, so four walks to 25 strikeouts. That's a good ratio. It's really good ratio. Yeah. And it wasn't just that he was pounding the strike zone with fastballs. He was landing all of his pitches for yeah. strikes. He was mixing them up effectively to work to a game plan. It yeah. seemed like he was in control of what he was doing. Where Luis Patino, who's also on our list here, he seemed like he was a bit more of a thrower right now baby rattlesnake like he's i gotta just, say it i'm just gonna go up there and pump my <laughs> pump my fastball with this cut and this filthy slider and it the it from a from an approach standpoint i don't know if it was always the 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 cleanest approach right. he just had the nasty stuff to get by morahone you can tell he is a pitcher yeah. he's using location he's using timing to to keep the batters off balance absolutely and he I really wish they would have given more innings. Like they only had him be the starter. Like two innings and you're done. Even after two innings, a solid work. You're like, oh, why not? I think at the very end, they let him go four innings. It, it was a pretty strict 40, 40 Four, 45 pitch yeah. limit for him. So I'm sure that there's some reason for that. Uh, that's the thing I really want to see is him get stretched out. And we've yeah. been waiting for that, it seems like, for three years now. <laughs> like He'll start the season. And I think it was last year, 2019, that the first like handful of starts, he was going like 80. 85 pitches and then something happened there was an injury and after that he was working short stints and that's kind of been the case ever since but he's got to get stretched out i if he can go five innings man he's going to be something yeah and and then go from there mm -hmm. uh the next on the line is is luis patino 11 games one start 17.1 innings 21 k's 14 base on balls um 5.19 era your heart just bled baby rattlesnake mm -hmm. now let me tell you what a baby rattlesnake does Baby rattlesnake doesn't know how much venom it has. So it just, when it bites, it spits all the venom. Yep. And that's, his venom is that 98 mile an hour heater. Now that came from Pete Zamora, it right? It did. It did. <laughs> Who was the COVID camp umpire. If you ever got one of the games at the, uh, one of the inner squad games, he was the one behind the pitching mound. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at the alternate site, I hear that they had Luis Patino playing some outfield 
They had uh, Mackenzie Gore play a little bit because you only have so many players. You don't right. have enough to make. You talking about the alternate side? At the alternate side, really? Yeah, they had uh, Javi Guerra was playing shortstop because they you yeah, need right. you need somebody to man all the spots right. and like how uh, the Dodgers had that one clubhouse. He was a clubhouse he attendant. Played left field and didn't throw someone out, but stopped someone from running. Right? Oh, he made some great plays. Yeah, and I guess the kid, the, the guy, played to a high level in college. Is so it's it's neat to hear about these guys yeah. doing something that's a little bit like Mackenzie Gore was a center fielder yeah. in high school. And Wait, they said that he would have been round. like a third round pick. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good stroke. I want to you know the DH is going to be here to stay. I'm kind of sad because I have a feeling that that boy could rake if he yeah. wanted to. But anyway. It's it's I just love that idea about them playing kind of out of position and doing something a little bit wacky. Yeah. So with with Patino, you do you see the youth, you see the the baby rattlesnake in him that just mm-hmm. you know he he needs more refinement, he needs more time to cook, and that development, you know, what was he was told? What would we say on Twitter? AJ Preller said, "Hey, you guys come in trying to make it, trying to make the squad." Yep. Um, if that happens, is yet to be seen. Uh, I wouldn't mind. If he, I don't want him to stick in the bullpen. I don't want him in the bullpen and then maybe spot start. I, if he's going to be a starter, if he doesn't make the squad, which you, you know, I, I doubt he does, um, put him, put him in AAA and let him pitch, stretch him out, let him learn how to pitch in the moonscape that is the Pacific League. I, I feel the same way about Morahone and about Gore, and I hope that the Padres add a couple of major league yeah. level pitchers, so then you've got the depth that those guys can go go to work and then earn their opportunity to come up rather yeah. than, you know, you need a live arm, so let's call somebody. They, they, need, to, they need to finish their development. Yeah. Um, so with Patino, we have to remember that he was a shortstop right before they signed him. Exactly. So he's only been pitching for like four years. It's not like Morajon, when he was in Cuba, he was pitching against professionals mm. in Cuba at, at 16. 16 years old. Yeah. And he was dominating them at the time. Mackenzie Gore was a dominant high school pitcher his whole his whole high school career. Even when he was before his growth spurt, yeah. he was still getting it done. Where and at that same age, Patino was playing shortstop. And so you see that when he was at Fort Wayne, he was messing with his mechanics. He was messing <laughs> with a leg kick. Oh, Mac does a leg kick. I'm going to try a leg kick. I like this. And yeah, repeating the whole, mechanics is huge. Yeah, and so he's the, the athleticism is why he can repeat his yeah. mechanics, but he's still figuring it out. Yeah, so patience. So I just to finish that thought up. I have Morhone as the number five. Okay, stretch him out. Let him work from five all the way to three. Well, you know, if, if that's the that's the great thing. If you've got that kind of talent, where Chris Paddock slides back to being your number four. You have Mackenzie Gore, when he comes up, he's not expected to be your ace number right. one. That you've got Clevenger, you've got Lamette. That takes some of the pressure off of them. Yeah. So I wonder if for, for Paddock, his struggles this year, and obviously there's something mechanical going on with his fastball. He's messing with adding a cutter and who knows, but there's also the psychological side. I think all the hype that he picked up last year didn't necessarily work to his advantage. Right. And now coming into this year, he was expected to be the man. And that's hard to do when it's your second year in the season and the, the league is adjusting to you. Absolutely. And then you have this whole COVID thing where you're you're kind of off balance and then you go to an alternate site and it's just weird. Yep. Um, everything's weird this year. Everything's weird. Speaking of which, tomorrow's Friday the 13th. Oh. A Friday the 13th in 2020. Man, I'm not even going to go outside. I'm calling it. I can't. God, I'm calling in sick. That's it. I'm not coming in, boss. So moving on. The two biggest surprises was, I mean, Ryan Weathers were like, yeah, because I mean, I saw him 
at, at the camp and those you know inner squads, you're like, holy shit, 96, 98, curveball, devastating curveball. You know, change up. You're like that. He's gonna he's gonna probably debut this year. Mm-hmm. But Jorge Ona and Luis Camposano, they must have just won their roles in the COVID camp or in the alternate site. Well, that was the word coming out was that that Camposano was hitting the ball harder than anybody, and he was just squaring everything up. So it's like you see this guy hitting every yeah. day. Like, okay, we got to find a chance for him. Yeah. I figured he'd stay in the minors if there was a normal minor league year. Yeah, he would have stayed off the forty man this year, stayed in whatever double A and and worked on his thing. But they needed a bat. Here's a bat, and he did it. I mean, his first game, he hit a home run. Yeah, opposite field. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad that he that he bruised his hand or whatever the injury was that that took him out. Um, it sounds like something that happened at the alternate site. I wonder if he was trying to catch Lamette and he wound up like catching one in the thumb off a slider. And because right, right, I've never caught. I can only imagine what. I mean, it doesn't take that much for a ball to go from the pocket down to that awkward part of your thumb. Right. And you see these major league guys; they'll get crossed up on one, and, and they're hurting. And Those that's what you call development. It's just that you need to develop that stuff. But it was great seeing him. Um, God, you saw him smile. Like I, we never saw him. I, I saw what 10, 15, I've seen him play 10, 15 times. Never seen the guy smile. Yeah. Sits on the bench by himself. I mean, he's, he's a hard nosed ball player. Mm-hmm. He is, he is, he's business. Um, but to see him smile and you know, the team embraced those guys. Everything I've read and heard is, is they've embraced them like, uh, as peers, not just guys that are coming up and getting a taste. I love that. Um, There's no, you know, s- shut up, sit down and shut up. Rick. Right. There's none of that. That all started in spring training. I think beginning before COVID took a hit, everyone was treated as equals and that the whole old school of like, right. Like you said, sit down and shut up rookie. You'll play when we tell you we need to play and you'll speak when you tell that doesn't, like I don't teach my my staff to do that. Like someone comes new, you you treat him as an equal, right? And it's going to make him comfortable. He's going to get to. He'll be able to learn quicker, mm-hmm. adapt. Um, People make mistakes. You run into an out. You don't want to you know feel bad. I mean, you want right. to feel bad about it. You let your team down, but it's not like you want to go hide in the corner. Right. That's we need you. Yeah, I mean, it's not you know stealing home. <laughs> Yeah, what Margot and the yeah, man, Margo. you know, that's what you're about? <laughs> he was safe. He, you know, and he was safe. I, I, Kershaw did a pretty good job of getting the ball home quick. Yeah. I mean, the chances that the pitcher spikes the ball or does something silly, trips over his feet because just all of a sudden he realizes what's going on. I, the Dodgers made the play. It's yeah. remarkable. I think it was worth the gamble. Oh heck yeah! I, I loved it. People complain. No, that's a great. Hard nosed game, absolutely. You have to get you have to do it. It's well, the Dodgers. Well, and you, you see what Kershaw runs. does that thing where he puts his hands up up high, and there's the timing of it. It's like he's you know he was standing on third base going one thousand one, one thousand two. Okay, I got time. And then the next time he does it, I'm going. I love. I I never had the guts to do that stuff. You know, yeah, I, no. I always second guessed it. And then by the time I finally decided to go, it was too late, and I was dead in the water. <laughs> so moving on, we, Jorge Ona, another the tank. If, if he can. If he can pick up a little bit of speed, I think he's an outfielder. I, obviously, I mean he's, a, he's he can be an everyday outfielder. Mm-hmm. If um, I just think he's a little bit built, um, obviously he's a power threat. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And he also has to stay healthy. I mean, he was hitting three seventy five, I think, in Double A. Oh yeah, he was after being injured most of the year, year the year before, and mm-hmm. then got hurt, and then made it to the alternate site this year. Um, and he had what five games, twelve at bats. He had three hits. Uh, had that nice double 
And the HR is seven Ks. Like a lot of these, you know, strikeouts, just the, it's going to happen. I think back to spring training when he hit that mammoth tank. And you saw that and everybody kind of went, whoa, okay. And they were starting to call him like baby Fran Mill. Because <laughs> he's, he's a little bit, I, he, I don't want to say he's pudgy. He's, he's got the baby face. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, I mean, I'm sure that he's just shredded when he takes his shirt off. But he, he looks like he's carrying the baby fat. He is shredded. But the guy it's, is so strong. Yeah. So there's a lot of swing and miss. So that's another guy that really belongs in the minors for at least a full season. But yeah. hey, he got his, he got a taste, he got a tate, a tater. I, good for him. Yeah, the the future is strong. Absolutely. And then finally, uh, our our sip of tea, Ryan Weathers, one point one innings pitch, two base on walls, one K. Who did he K? Was it Bellinger? It was Bellinger. Yeah. Oh. And Bellinger was heating up too. Oh my God, he can't be arrested in this town ever. Yeah, because I mean, Bellinger did not have a good year this year. But in the postseason, he finally it seemed like everybody on the Dodgers just started hitting as soon as this postseason rolled around, yeah. even more than they were all season long. But yeah, I was so happy for him. Yeah. And he can't... Apparently, at one point, he was getting a little bit nervous and Machado came over and told him, just throw a fastball down the middle. And it was Justin Turner that was up. Just throw a fastball down the middle. If he puts it in play, we got your back. Yeah. And so he did fastball down the pipe and he popped it up. Yeah. And it's, you know, so for Machado to come over and, you know, here's Manny Machado, MVP candidate every year. Right. Coming over to just have a word. You know, hey, it's cool. We got you. I mean, what does that got to do for a guy's confidence? Conf- Absolutely. And you already have the skill. You already have the talent. I love the story on how he was told he was moving up. Oh, right. <laughs> you want right, to- about the tests. Yeah, yeah so the, apparently the, every morning they get in line and they've got all the tests. You Okay, you take a test, you do your swab. And and so uh, Preller was standing there and he's like, do you know which ones are the major league and which ones are the minor league ones? And they're all the same. Right. <laughs> there goes, is no major league or minor league. You should grab one from the major league pile. What? That, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, I can just see him. Oh, man. And he never pitched above... Fort Wayne, you know, <laughs> not a single inning above Fort Wayne. And then he's up there against the most dangerous lineup in baseball in the postseason and kicking ass. Yeah. Well, and, and if you want to boil it back down, the last time we saw him pitch in organized baseball, well, you know, in Fort Wayne was 89. Maybe he got back to 90. Right. Maybe 91. Yeah. And then we saw him here at the Don Welke Classic and he was like 95, 96. He was yeah. sitting there for the inning that he pitched like, okay. He's all right. You know, yeah. it wasn't something wrong. He's going to be okay. Yeah. But how long is he going to be able to do it? Well, he did it all summer. Yeah. And then they called him up and he did it against the Dodgers. Freaking awesome. I so, love it. But if there's anybody that they can, from a makeup standpoint, that isn't going to come up with the, with the, the, the dish saucer eyes of being overwhelmed by the moment, and his dad is a major leaguer, he's, yeah. you, you talk to him and he's just the same cool, mellow, aw shucks guy. Yeah. But, he understands how to prepare. He understands how to attack a hitter. And so he's got the right mindset to not be overwhelmed by that, by that moment. I don't know if they would have, if they would have called up, you know, McKenzie in the same kind of situation. I, I, I don't know if he's got the same kind of intestinal fortitude, you know, the small sample size with, with McKenzie at the, at the futures game. I saw nervousness. I finally saw him like he's on the big stage and he walked the first guy. I mean, he, he picked him off for the next, in the next pitch, but he walked mm-hmm. the first guy. And you saw that nervousness come through. I think he through. gave up a couple hits too, right? Yeah. You saw the nervousness. I mean, that is a, it's just a, a photograph mm-hmm. of, of ability. But, um, you yeah. Know, and then Patino comes in to close the game out. And it's, here's uh, the big moment. And I don't care. I'm going to bring it. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, 
The future's bright, folks. But let's move on. Let's let's get into winter ball. The only person I really know who's playing right now, well, Steve Wilson's playing for Escurijo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't started playing yet. Uh, Terso Ornelas started out this year with the Yankees of Obregón. Yes. Did I say that correctly? Uh, Obregón. Obregón. Los Yankees. I wonder if it's supposed to be like Yankees. Yankees. Right. Yeah. But it's a little Indian guy. Is that? That's their that's their uh, mascot. It's a little. Like Native American? Yeah. yeah. I think it's, huh. it's almost like a little Cleveland Indians guy. Okay. Um. So I don't know what a Yankees is. Maybe we have to look that up. But anyway, so Steve Wilson's there. He's with Escurijo. Yakety yak. Terso Ornelas. Don't talk back. <laughs> Tirso got traded uh, to the Miles Day, what is it, the Miles Day Navajo, Navajoa. Okay. N-A-V-O-J-O-A. Okay. And he's currently hitting 275. He's 20 years old. Nice. Adonis is beating the ball up down there. 275, 383, 400 with three doubles and a triple. Um, and at 20 years old. So Mexican League, most of the time, all the winter leagues are either guys that aren't playing Major League Baseball that are, you know, every year winter league ball players for their respective teams. Mm-hmm. Um, your older kind of minor league players, your double-A, your triple-A guys, a lot of major leaguers that are kind of maybe rehabbing on the occasion. I think Ruben Rivera was playing... Till 40. Till like a year or two ago. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I... Jorge Cantu was there. Right. I, was like, I think he's still playing. I wouldn't be surprised. So I took a look down the list and I picked out the guys that I recognized. So Tirso Ornelas with the Yaquis de Obregón. Tirso Ornelas, shortstop Juan Carlos Gamboa, and right-handed pitcher Martin Carrasco. Personally, I'm a fan of Martin Carrasco. Angela and I met him in spring training a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, and we're, we were sitting there watching a Logan Allen uh, split squad backfield start. And there's this kid sitting behind us, and we just started struck up a conversation. He's he's from Tijuana. He's learning English, and he wanted to practice his English with us. So he's talking about where he lives, who his roommates are. It's super nice kid. Uh, Los Aguilas de Mexicali. Yeah, he's got, he's, and he's from Mexicali. He's from Mexicali. Uh, Carrasco is from Tijuana. Okay, in baseball reference, has him as Mexicali. Really? Yeah. Maybe he was born in Mexicali. Um, so playing for Los Aguilas de Mexicali, you've got catcher Gilberto Vizcarra and right-handed pitcher Adrian Martinez, who Adrian Martinez came up to Lake Elsinore last yeah. year. Uh, Los Charros de Jalisco, you've got outfielder Agustin Ruiz. Uh, the Caneros de Los Mochis, right-handed pitcher Jose Quezada, who also came up to Lake Elsinore last year. Uh, and Los Mayos de Navajoa, you've got right-handed pitcher Edgar Martinez, no relation to Hall of Famer Edgar Martinez. Right. Where did you get that information? I looked all over. I scoured. Uh, so the MLB has a Winter Leagues website. They do. And, and so you can look down the rosters. And I just scrolled through each one and looked for the names that I recognized and that seemed vaguely familiar. So that's that's how I... They, there is there's a page where you're supposed to be able to look at the stats of all the players that are in for each, you know, you look at the Padres and right, it'll right. say all the guys that are playing winter baseball and that isn't active yet. I don't know if it hasn't been updated or if they're not. Baseball reference has it. But it's not by affiliate. It's not. It has the winter league stuff. That's how I they, got. That's they how do I, have the winter league stats. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's nice when you can look at it all in one spot and here's all the Padres guys playing and right. where they are because <laughs> they put it all on there. The Australian league, the that you know, used to Panama be, and all that. It, Right when we first started doing this, that and we're breaking it down, it was uh, minorleaguestats.com. It was like it was the where you could do that. You can go to Padres. Oh, the Padres. Here's your twelve players that are playing in all these twelve different teams. That no longer exists. Right. Right. It used to. It used to. Well, but, maybe it's going to come back, but it's just a weird year. So it, I, I don't know what. 
It would be nice, but let's move on. So that's so we got guys playing, and then we yeah. have pretty soon we have uh, the Australian Baseball League. No Padres have yet signed with any of those teams that I've seen on Twitter, at least. Yeah, I haven't seen any um, news on that. And the so, Manny Ramirez is p- playing. Really, he's playing for the uh, Sydney Blue Sox in Australia. Yeah, at what age? Forty six, forty eight. My dad in baseball years, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I keep hoping that that that. Uh, uh, Freaking oh, pitcher. Um, Todd Van Stiesel. No, the old guy, the old round guy, Bartolo Colon. Uh, I keep hoping sexy. that he's going to come up because I need somebody to be older than me in Rod- Major League Baseball. Fernando Rodney is is playing in the Dominican League this year, and he's got a couple years on me. So I need somebody to sign him so I'm, I don't feel officially so old. feel old. old yeah. So in the Dominican League, they're all starting up. They're doing their like their preseason right now. Okay. And so there's tons of roster movement. It, that's one thing about the, the, the uh, Dominican League is their rosters are enormous, and they make massive moves every single day. So it's hard to keep track of who's – who's up and who's mm. not. Uh, but it really isn't until we get to opening day when everybody announces their rosters. If you go on the, the lead on website, some of the teams have their roster published. Some of them, it's clear that nobody's updated the thing in a year. Okay. All right. So time will tell. So we know that Steven Wilson is going to play for Escohilo, And I think that's the only one I've seen so far, yeah. but there's usually like six, eight, 10 yeah. Padres guys playing. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But and right now instruct is going on. It is tight lipped. The only team that's doing anything fun is the Seattle Mariners. Right. Yeah, they're publishing box scores. Box scores. But I find if you look at their box scores, they also say what the maximum velocity <laughs> of each batter. Yeah. Their their fastest batted ball and how fast the pitchers are throwing their fastballs. So I find that interesting. As yeah, a fan, very interesting. Jerry Depoto. What, what do your fans really need to see that for? Right. And do but you want your other guys to know that? It's interesting. Yeah. And who's that? Jason Dominguez, I think, is their, their top prospect. And he's just the exit velocities he's posting are ridiculous. Every game he's hitting a ball 115 <laughs> miles an hour. You know, we haven't talked about Rule 5. And we didn't right. I didn't have it down. Because I'm looking at, I'm not, Blake Hudson in instructs, but also Tukapita Marcano. Um I think Terrence Ornelas is also rule five. all the rule five. So basically, all the rule five guys, I believe, although it's kind of a weird year, teams are going to want to save money by picking up rule five guys. I think, but I think they're going to want some of the older guys that are a little more established in the minor leagues, uh, maybe some triple A um, rule five guys, maybe right. some double A guys. Yeah, you know, our guys as good as they are and as good as they're going to be. Uh, we hope they're going to be. I don't think I don't see anyone that needs to be protected. Right. So I could see Estuary Ruiz. Maybe so. Uh, when the season ended, we were looking at guys like Michael Geddes and Jason Vosler. Yeah. They, they were both they both declared free agency. Jason Vosler has since signed a um, with the Giants a major league contract with the Giants. Yeah. But those are the kinds of guys that you would expect a team to maybe take a role on, right? Because you could maybe stash them at the end of the bench. Some positional versatility. Your Geddes is fast, so he can be a pinch runner like Mateo right. was. Right. So for the Padres, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guys that are eligible, but it's hard to see them being a, a risk. So Ivan Castillo, Tucapito Marcano, Estuary Ruiz, uh, Matt Batten, Eggy Rosario, uh, Luis Almanzar, Ethan Skender, uh, Jordy Barley, Taylor Colway, Robbie Podorsky, uh, Tierso, you, you yeah, mentioned. Tierso. And then there's, there's a handful of pitchers, but... Reggie Lawson is the one that I could really see them protecting. But a lot of the other guys, you look and there's there's a lack of experience. There are some clear flaws. So Tierso, apparently he's tearing it up in Mexico right now. But when we last saw him, 
he was struggling in like Elsinore. He just got to swing back. They at the sent end him of the down season. to the AZL yeah. and he came back and he was looking pretty good. Yeah. But how do you take a guy that's got a sketchy track record in single A yeah. and expect to roster him at the big league level for a year? Yeah. I, that's hard. It that's could be hard a punt year for everyone. Yeah. So like Jordan Guerrero, somebody like that. Okay. Yeah. There's a big guy that can pump 100 miles an hour. We can do something with him. Yeah. I can <laughs> we can see test it. him in the bullpen, give him 15, 20 innings in a season. Right. Yeah, but the 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 premium prospects that the Padres have yeah. are all too far away to to yeah. need to be protected, with the exception of somebody like Reggie Lawson, right. who's coming off rehab, but he's had a full year to get healthy. Maybe maybe he's good to go. It'd be nice to get Reggie Lawson going. Oh my God, I would. Uh, he he'd be a good dark horse pick for next year. Yeah, so. I also saw Steve Wilson as maybe a dark horse guy for the bullpen. Oh yeah, those mid to upper nineties. Well, him and Evan Miller were in spring training camp this year. And they both had a realistic shot yeah. to crack the team at some point this year. It's just with a 60-game season, there's limited opportunities. Yeah. Well, all right. There we go. That gets us to the bottom of the list. That gets us to the bottom of the list. Boy, that was a whirlwind one. <laughs> we had a lot to talk about. We went on some tangents. We did. So uh, I'm on your Instructs list here, I do. Drake Fellows is at Instructs. And I noticed that the year that he was drafted, he didn't. we didn't hear anything about him Um he didn't go out to any camp. He wasn't at AZL. He he kind of stayed on the on the down low. I'm glad to see that he's at Instructs. So you know, for whatever reasons that he wasn't participating, now right. he's he's back because he was what like a third round. Yeah, he was a higher pick? round guy. Yeah, and, and just fell off the table. Yeah, and he was dominant at in college. I'm trying to remember where he went. I think it was a Vanderbilt guy. Anyway, but. I'm glad to see Drake Fellows yeah. back on a on a on a roster, yeah. even if it's a roster that's a black hole for us because we get no information. It is, and, and we're not the only ones that we're not the only organization that's not giving out any information. Most that, of them are, and it, it makes sense. You know, if something's wrong with somebody, you wouldn't want your opponents to know. These are right. all trade chips on some level. Everybody has a value. Yeah. So if somebody's losing some velocity or they're struggling to hit, you, you keep that close to the yeah. vest, which kind of works to your advantage and to your detriment from a preller standpoint. And it's kind of not news anyway. Yeah. It kind of isn't news. I mean, Mason Thompson, he hasn't seen an organized baseball for three years now, two years, solid two years, maybe an inning or two last. Yeah, and at 99, he started the year with Lake Elsinore, and then he, he got hurt and disappeared. Yeah. And then you look on Instagram, and he's pumping yeah. high 90s and looking great. What, what does that mean in a game situation? It's hard to say. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah, but I would, but another I do, guy I'd love to see get going. He hasn't had the time to get going. But I, I do miss the updates from Mad Friars. I would have boots on the ground at Instructs, yeah. seeing what people are doing. Eric Longenhagen would be out there yeah. for fan graphs. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to seeing these reports. And the guys like Prospects Live and Prospects 1500, they've got people out there that actively scouting and right. doing write-ups. And that I, I love that. And I, I miss it. Yeah, William Bohr, I, I, I texted him, DM'd him. He's like... We don't. We don't know. We're not going to the games. We're not going. No. Well, the complexes are closed. Yeah. I don't even think scouts are are out there. Yeah. Like team scouts. Right. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. So with that, folks, uh, thanks for listening to, to the, all the way to the end to the tangents. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you wear a mask. Uh, we want sports back. We want our lives back. And I yes. think that starts with masks and washing your hands often. My hands have been drunk now since March. Yet I haven't had a drink in 19 years, so <laughs> lots um, of lots of hand sanitizer. Lots of huh? hand sanitizer. You know what I've become aware of is touching my face. Like I used to always like wipe my nose and my eyes and rub my, 
yeah, it's just mannerisms that you have, and it's I've become so aware of it that I've I think I've broken a lot of those habits. A little bit, huh? Because you're like, yeah. I just touch my face. Now I don't touch my face as much anymore. I yeah, I feel like a more of a, a clean face. It doesn't show when you look around my house, but I like I wash my hands all the time. Because <laughs> it's just I feel weird. Oh, I went to I pumped gas. I need to wash my hands. I don't know who touched the pump before I did. Right. We're so trying to be smart. We're hoping to have some more information coming next see next week and coming weeks. We'll try to have JJ Cooper on. Try to get some guests. Try to get some information out to you guys. Uh, till then, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right, see you in a little while. Slow.